Oh, good Monday evening, everyone, and welcome to Thousand Oaks. We're at the Rams facility, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long. This is the Week 15 edition of the Coach McVeigh Show, getting set for a trip to Seattle. The Rams falling to 9-4 and four with a yesterday's thriller, but a disappointing one in the end, a 43-35 loss to Philadelphia. Good evening, DeMarco. What are your uh, thoughts 24 hours later? Well, first of all, I think every family needs to break it down just like they do. One, two, three, family. I mean, just every morning. On that's your way to school? That, on yeah. your way to school, church, what have you. That's how you get the fight started. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it was a, a great game. Um, f- fans of football should have enjoyed that. I mean, that was a thrill a second. Uh, not a thrill a million, a thrill a second. And um, the Rams did everything they could to win that football football game. So did Philadelphia. It's just a shame that one team had the win. But um, I, I thought Jared Goff and the offense, Todd Gurley in particular, um, did exactly what they needed to do. I wish they were out on the field a little bit longer. Um, the defense – Good pressure on Carson Wentz. He's just Harry Houdini getting out of the pocket. So I wish they were out there a little bit less. Um, that's the way it goes. Philadelphia won, but you're, like you said, moving on to Seattle. Heck of a game, though, man. It was a lot of fun. If I had told you going in that not only would the Rams uh, intercept Carson Wentz but knock him out of the game at some point, that they would block a punt and return it for a touchdown, that Todd Gurley would get better than eight yards per touch on the day, how would you have felt about L.A.'s chances going in? You know, Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this is funny. We'll have those football conversations about different teams, but with Philadelphia, if you gave me all that, I would say at the end of that you'd probably have a pretty good chance mm-hmm. to win. Uh, that means they're that good. Even with all that, they could still beat you. Other teams, if you do even have that, you might blow them out. You might run them out of their own stadium. But uh, against a team like Philadelphia that has Lombardi Trophy in mind just like you do, um, that might be enough to keep you in the ballgame. This is the Coach McVay Show. We'll be chatting with Sean momentarily, DeMarco Farr, and J.B. Long. A couple of the comments that I noted coming out of the postgame locker room. Aaron Donald, there's nothing to worry about. We're still in a good position. John Sullivan, we just have to do a better job of taking care of the little details. Uh, DeMarco, with three to play, the goals are all still intact. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's uh, the upshot of what happened Sunday night at the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. I mean, you still have to – I mean, I I don't want to say revenge game, but it's the rematch with Seattle. So you have to put the the hurt and the pain, if you can, aside from the Eagles' loss and move on to uh, getting back to your – hatred I, I hate to use that word but your 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 focus is back on Seattle so I mean I heard Sean McVay say it right at the end of the game you're nine and four you you still hold your destiny in your hands you have to go up to, to Seattle and play that team up there but uh, you're still in a good position an enviable position in the NFC uh, if you would have got the win versus Philadelphia of course that's what you want but you're still in a good position right now all right, nine and four, the number three seed in the NFC. We'll take our first break here and come back and introduce Sean McVay next on the Coach McVay Show, Week 15 edition from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA. Welcome back live on this Monday night to Thousand Oaks at the Rams facility with a Super Bowl champion, Demarco Far. I'm JB Long, and here is the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams at nine and four, Sean McVay. Good evening, Coach. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Well, it was a busy one in terms of the on the field product. A lot to go through. A lot of plays. A lot of turning points. A lot of points, penalties. You name it. Uh, how do you distill all that down for Monday? teachable points for the players to digest yeah I think you know you isolate you know offense defense special teams make sure everybody's conscientious enough to look at themselves critically figure out what they can do to be a part of uh, just improving from some of the things that took place yesterday there was a handful of things that 
uh, were really some good, great individual efforts, really, to, to be in a game like that. You know, Philadelphia is a great football team, but certainly we expect to try to come away with wins in those types of games. And that atmosphere, I think, provides a great learning opportunity for our football team. I know we've got the right guys in that locker room that will learn from some of the mistakes that we can control and then some of the things that you really can't. You say, what can I do to fix it as far as the techniques, the fundamentals, you know, and then obviously from a coaching standpoint, there's there's always going to be things that, especially myself, that, that I can learn from to try to put our team in better spots and make good decisions to, to help us ultimately come away with wins. You know, the thing I came away with was a lot of heart by your squad. I mean, I mean, they showed some guts. I mean, some intestinal fortitude to get back out there but the boo-boos the owies the bumps the the injuries you had that's the thing I came away with how is this team going to regroup moving on to Seattle after this game this physical football game yeah it was a physical game you know and I I know Seattle played a physical game against a great Jacksonville team yesterday as well Uh, this league is physical you know that DeMarco and especially when you get it to this point in the season where you're playing meaningful games in December uh, for us to be nine and three, them ten and two, going into that game, uh, you know it, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation, and unfortunately we didn't get it done yesterday. Uh, we did have some some guys get banged up. Uh, trust that they'll do everything in their power to rehab the right way. Unfortunately, when you lose a Kayvon Webster for the year, uh, you hate to see that with some of those types of injuries that you know are an unfortunate part of this game, but. Our guys came in with the right mindset mentality today, and we know we've got to have a great week of preparation for Seattle, and and what a great opportunity it is for us, in spite of losing, to still be uh, at the top of the division. You know, you'd like to come away with that win. That's our goal every single time we step foot on the field. We didn't do that. Uh, Jacksonville did a good job coming away with a win yesterday, so we're still one game in front of Seattle, and now we got a great opportunity to go there and, and try to see if we can come away with a win at a tough place to play, and uh, it'll be a great challenge for our team. Since it's newsworthy tonight, why don't we go through the rest of the injury roll call? You mentioned the ruptured Achilles that will end Kayvon Webster's uh, season, unfortunately, on a game in which he gets his first interception as well as a ram. Uh, Tremaine Johnson across the field from him turns out not a concussion. We yeah, today. it was just a little misunderstanding. You know, he got banged up, so you always want to be very careful uh, with the procedure and the process in terms of testing those guys. He cleared the concussion test that you do on the sideline when you take a hit like that. Uh, it was stinger-related why he wasn't able to come back into the game. So that was a misunderstanding and, and a mistake on my part yesterday. Uh, fortunately, that was a that's good news, and, and I think uh, – you know, the the arrows up in terms of his availability this week and uh, just recovering from that stinger. And then you lose both offensive tackles for a variety of plays, uh, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein. What's the latest there, and what do you anticipate for Sunday? They came in and checked out good. You know, they actually both kind of got their ankle rolled up on, but it was really what their knee in that MCL area that uh, where they sustained, you know, where they were the most sore today. So uh, Andrew was able to come back in, played at a high level. You know, he's sore. He's a great competitor. And then uh, Rob as well. So both those guys came back in. They finished the game. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of them dealing with some of those pain, the pain threshold, uh, how much they'll be available during the week. But uh, my gut tells me that both those guys will be ready to go and, and they'll fight through it. But, you know, we take it one day at a time with them. And then a couple of guys who are maybe a week away, unable to go yesterday, Robert Woods at wide receiver and Connor Barwin at outside linebacker. Again, if no setbacks this week, they're on track to play against they are. the Seahawks. Yeah, if, if they don't have any setbacks, uh, then then they should be good to go. And that'll be two big additions for us, getting uh, getting Connor and Robert back. Uh, both from a leadership standpoint and then just a production on the field. So uh, we'll we'll be excited to get those guys back on the grass with us this week in practice, and then uh, hopefully that will lead to them being available on Sunday. I would love to ask Whit why it was so important for him to get back on the field. I mean, after getting rolled up like that. And then it happens to Rob Havenstein, and he wants to get back out there. That's that's a sign of toughness, and that's a sign of guys playing their hearts out for you. It, well, I think it's a sign of them playing for their teammates as well. And I think – 
Uh, that's the type of team that we do have. We've got guys that have responded the right way. I think there's something special about uh, playing for something more than yourself. And these guys play for each other. And, and that's what's going to serve us well. I think that's what's served us well for the most part up to this point. Uh, but most importantly, I think in times of adversity like yesterday, it gives us an opportunity to respond the right way. And that's when you certainly learn a lot more about people than when things are going well. Uh, what I've continued to see from our team and from our players is that they respond the right way. They, they display the mental toughness that we talk about being your best regardless of the circumstances. And, and this week is going to require that from us as, as, you know, as far as how we respond coming off a tough physical game where we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. But what we can't afford to do is allow Philadelphia to beat us twice by letting that leak into this week's preparation. I don't know. I know that it won't do that, and we know it won't as a coaching staff. And can't wait to get going on, uh, you know, getting this game plan together and trying to put our guys in good spots so we can go attack this win if we're, uh, you know, if we're ready to go. How much of a challenge is that for Daryl to do it not once but twice at left tackle and then at right tackle in crunch time against one of the better defensive fronts in football? It's tough, you know, and I thought he did a nice job stepping in. You know, that's where you got to look at yourself uh, as a play caller, especially have some situational awareness, understand what's going on, gain first down. We still have a one-point lead at the time. Um, you know, we're always going to be an aggressive team, but I think you want to be smart with how you are aggressive. And I've got to be mindful of that. Putting our players in those good spots is something that we truly believe in as coaches. And that right there, you know, credit Chris Long for making a great rush, steps up, is able to force the fumble, and then they were, they're able to come away with it. But you always got to look at yourself and say, what can I do to try to avoid that and maybe not put our players in a situation where, where some of those things could potentially occur against a great defense like the Eagles are. And that's why you kept Darrell Williams, because he can play both sides. He's he athletic. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough deal. I don't think people appreciate how tough it is to transition from the right to the left side, from the left to the right, just with uh, how that affects and alters your stance, your set angles, uh, the way that you come off the ball, different things like that. And uh, that's why that swing tackle, especially on game day on your active roster, is very valuable, and, and Darrell is that for us. This is the Coach McVay Show on ESPN Los Angeles with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, Malcolm Brown rejoined your uh, game day roster. How did he feel coming back off a knee injury? He, he felt good. You know, he, uh, I think when you look at just the limited amount of snaps that we had, uh, he had the one carry where he did a good job in the tight red getting it down in there, and then Sammy was able to, to catch the touchdown on the next play. But uh, Malcolm's important part of this football team. In an ideal world, we're, we want to operate between the 65 and 70 uh, play range. We had 45 yesterday, so... So uh, I think it was kind of a combination of uh, them getting us off the field, but then also when we were able to get four of our touchdown drives, you know, it was kind of quick strike, short drive. So uh, there's a couple things that kind of play into that. But Malcolm did a nice job on teams with his uh, role that he has for Bones and those guys. And then uh, when he came in, he had a nice productive run. That was one of – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please, I was just going to – and Alec Ogletree was yeah. the other injury I wanted to touch on. He was able to play through the entire game. He was. Yeah. You know, he came out for a couple plays there where Bryce came in. But uh, Alec did a good job, you know, competed through it. You know, he, he had a couple nice pressures, did some different things to influence and affect the game. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a tough competitor that's going to fight through that always. I was going to say that Malcolm Brown carry and then the touchdown right after was my favorite sequence of the game because of who made the block. Andrew Whitworth gets two. Malcolm Brown, great carry. And then the nice call on that. I don't know what you call that. A screen slant? Uh, The scoring play to Sammy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hell of a play. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's the same one we hit earlier in the year against uh, San Fran on the Thursday night And where he put the football. was Great location. You know, those are the types of plays where – Basically, they're bringing the safety off the edge. They're kind of daring you this, to throw it in those situations because they're going to play a heavy loaded box, and uh, that's where you've got to be able to win some one-on-ones, tight window throws and catches. Cooper does a nice job kind of 
uh, not, sh- not 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 making a pick, but just kind of giving a natural rub uh, for Sammy. And they never uh, want and, to admit and pick. Sammy is able to uh, make a big time catch right there, and, and those are tough tough plays to make. Any thoughts on the Carson Wentz injury? I, I hate I hate that part of the game for for the players. You know, you just you just have such a sick pit in your stomach when you go out there and you see a Kayvon Webster on your team, and then anytime you see another great competitor on another team get injured, where he's going to miss some time, uh, that's one of the unfortunate things about this league. I think what makes it so special is are the players and and the competitive nature of the game. Injuries are something that you'd always love to avoid. We wish Carson nothing but the best. Hate to see those types of injuries, but what a competitor he is to stay in there, deliver the touchdown on fourth and three. Uh, four plays later after he had done that and you know really impressive seeing him in person I just wonder what what did you tell your defense after because I had to jump ahead there's a lot of snaps I think it was 94 snaps but 85 counted and the last five looked as good as the first five I mean these guys were really coming after him but what do you say to your defense when you face a guy like Carson Wentz that seems to get out of good pressure I mean, you're getting guys free, but you just can't get them down. Yeah, there's a, there's there's times in this league, I think, when you just see some of these elite players and you just have to say that's a great play by those guys. And you always try to maintain your rush lane integrity and, and keep him inside so that he doesn't break contain, keep his eyes down the field where now guys have to cover a little bit longer. Uh, inevitably, when you go against a player of his caliber that can do those types of things, there's going to be a couple where you just have to say, great play right there, man. But you always want to just keep playing the next snap, make him play another snap, and I thought our guys competed really well yesterday. You know, that's a great offense. It's one of the best offenses in the league. You can see why. You feel them in person with their ability to spread the football around. You know, uh, Ajayi was a better runner than I than I even gave him credit for. I always had respect for his game, but I thought he made some nice physical runs. Clement's a nice change of pace back, and then LeGarrette Blunt's been very productive in this league for a long time, but then... Uh, you know, you look at the tight ends. I was really impressed with Burton and his ability to step up with Zach Ertz being inactive and makes a couple just, you know, where you really say, you know, we're in good position. We're making tight wind. They're making tight window throws and catches and guys are in position. And it's it's a competitive play. And you just almost have to say that's a great football play right there. And, and somebody was able to come down with it. And they made a couple of those plays yesterday. Let's talk about some individual superlatives uh, on the silver lining side of things. Cooper Cup, a new Rams rookie record for catches, uh, 56 of them now with three regular season games to go. Broke the previous Rams record, 54, set by Eddie Kennison. Has he been everything you had hoped he would be and more in his rookie season? Yeah, I think so. You know, he's, we knew he was going to be a big part of our offense, and I think he's just continuing to take steps in the right direction. And when you have smart football players that are conscientious, they care, and then they're also talented, those are the types of things that you see. You know, that steady improvement, that daily improvement, and uh, he's been a great example of that. And he's going to be a big part of our offense for many years to come. And uh, you know, I think yesterday represented another productive day where he just kind of made the most of the opportunities that he got and uh, very happy with Cooper, and, and he's been a big part of some of the success we've had. The play down the sideline, special. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a great play. You know, it was a great ball by Jared. Good protection where, you know, he's able to get the ball out, and you know, on a third and ten big conversion. Jer- and, uh, you know, Cooper's got a little bit more shake than I think people probably give him credit for, be able to make somebody miss on the sideline and then uh, create after the catch. Speaking of shake, Todd Gurley goes over 1,000 yards rushing on the season, and that's not even to say anything of what he's done through the air with over 600 yards receiving. Yeah, Todd's been great. You know, uh, I've been getting buried because they didn't get him enough touches yesterday, but, uh, you know, you can certainly see why. You know, when, when the ball's in his hands, uh, he does a great job, and, and he made a, he made a couple outstanding individual, individual efforts on the runs, and there were some other ones that were blocked really well, but uh, when the ball's in his hands, good things happen, and, and that's something that, you know, as a play caller, you always want to be mindful of that run-pass balance, but I think most importantly, it's getting the ball in his hands in a variety of ways, and then doing what we feel like is best to, to move the football, and 
Um, you know, Todd did a great job yesterday with the touches that he did get. Are there other definitions of balance offensively that are more significant maybe than run versus pass? Is that pretty rudimentary as opposed yeah. to vertical, horizontal I, skill players, I, all those things? I think when you look at it, you know, the number one goal, you always want to maintain a certain level of balance. And, you know, the, where you talk about balance, it's not a perfect 50-50 because – if you look at it, you know, when you get into these third down situations, you know, two to five, you can maybe mix in a couple runs and stuff like that. But you're almost exclusively throwing it in some of those third down situations. So now you got to take into account how does that affect your run pass balance? Uh, I think the main thing is, is when you're operating in your normal down and distances, you know, your first downs and then your second and 10 or less, that's where you want to try to maintain a certain level of balance. But you also, when you're playing against some of these great fronts that have eight guys down in the box and you're inevitably going to be short just based on the blocking surface, uh, you want to be smart and you want to make sure that when you're running it, you're trying to get it versus good looks. Uh, we certainly have runs that are built to handle some eight-man fronts, but uh, you're also going to be able to throw it and get some looks as well. So uh, we've got a lot of different things that everything that we do is geared towards moving the football and scoring points. And that's that's just like every single decision and uh, play selection. Every single week, you know, I think one of the things that I learn as I get more familiar and more comfortable calling plays, gaining experience, you, you get humbled and, and you try to learn from the mistakes that you made. And I think about from year one to year two to now this just being your third year that you're actually calling plays, made a lot of mistakes this year. Uh, and fortunately, you feel like those are things that you can learn from, make sure you correct them moving forward. And then, you know, uh, there's going to be, I'm, gonna, I'm sure we'll be having the same conversation <laughs> next week just based on the nature of the game. And, and that's what you love about it, and that's what's such a great challenge. It, it seems like, and tell me if I'm wrong, takeaways affect balance. For the most part. Absolutely. Takeaways, the flow of the game. I mean, you look at it when you're operating with a lead, without a lead. So there's so many different things, and, and that's where you truly do try to say, let's be process-driven over results. And sometimes you say, all right, well, you know, you got to get them going a little bit more, and there's no doubt about it. You want to get the ball in Todd's hands as much as possible. But then you look at some of your scoring drives. When we're able to have a nice balance where you get a good, efficient run, then you're right on the ball, then you're able to hit an explosives in the play-action game. You get a screen going – I think it's when you've got a variety but also a feel and a flow that really can only happen from getting more plays off is when you're able to truly get into your best rhythm. But uh, it, most importantly, it's about the players getting into rhythm. And I think being able to you know, run the football efficiently was a credit to Todd and those guys. And, and i got to give us some more opportunities when we are able to do that uh, with more plays. Just out of curiosity, since you're kind of dwelling on the first and ten one, which I know weighs heavily on everyone's mind, if you could go back in time and do it again, do you know what you would call instead? Yeah, you know, I, I can honestly, so, you know, this is where the process over results, and you say at the time they were playing some structures. We felt like the protection that we were running got a lot of confidence in our guys' ability to hold up, uh, be able to win on that route, and everything that we did right there, it didn't work out for us, but I think the aggressive nature in which we were operating, um, you know, had served us well to that point. I, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change that, and and, you know, you can – that's the thing is there's a lot of calls that have worked out that I wouldn't do again. And that's where, you know, you don't really realize that. But as long as you have a reason and it's thought through – uh, calling plays is such an inexact science, and a lot of times you're guessing versus the looks, and this is where great players like what we have on our roster make you look good. But uh, as long as there's an intent and a why, you can feel comfortable at the end of the day knowing that, all right, the preparation, the approach was right, and sometimes the results don't always match up, but that's where you can correct and move forward. And then on the flip side, some things do work out that you say, well, we got away with one right there, and I was lucky where that play call is made to look like a good one only because the players make an outstanding effort. 
Insightful stuff, and thank you for sharing. We'll take a break here and come back with more. Let's talk about some defense and some special teams as the Rams block another punt that turns into a touchdown. We will review that play when we continue on the Coach McVay Show, Week 15 edition here on ESPN LA. All right, we'll talk about that punt block for a touchdown in just a moment. We welcome you back to the Coach McVay Show, getting set for Week 14, Week 15. Beg your pardon, the Rams are 9-4, and four, coming off a loss to Philadelphia, but their goals are still very much intact. Uh, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Sean McVay. Uh, every time this Rams team has lost a game this year, you've responded with a multi-game winning streak. I can't help but think if you're able to duplicate that process, you're going to wind up NFC West champions. Well, you know, that would be the goal. And then the first part of that goal is, is to try to get to number 10. And uh, if we're able to get to 10 and 4, what that means is we've got a two-game lead in the division with two left. And, um, you know, all, all we're focused on right now is finding a way to – to respond the right way, and that's getting ready for a great Seattle team. They've got a lot to play for as well. So, you know, Coach Carroll is saying the same things, but we can't wait for the opportunity to go to their place and try to put together a complete game and see if we can come away with a win against a a team that is – you know, really, for the most part, controlled this division for the last handful of years. And uh, it's a great opportunity for our players to, to try to see if we can be our best when our best is required, and, and certainly that is this week. Well, that's what they say. you got to go and knock out the champion if you want to be champion. Yeah, to be the man, you got to beat the man. I right? love it. Ric Flair. There Woo! Uh, JB, help me out. Is that five block kicks this year? Three, Three punts, punts, two, two field a goals. Touchdown, a field goal, and a PAT. I mean, my God. I, yeah. That's the best decision you made all year was keeping Bones Fossil. The guy continues to get better. That wasn't a very difficult decision (laughs) at all. I think uh, as soon as you meet him and you look at the production that he's had of the units that he's been in charge with, even going back to his days at Oakland, uh, he's a special coach, got a great way about himself with his players, got a lot of football knowledge, and – uh, you know, you can, you can see why uh, our our special teams have been so special this year, and he's a big reason why. Does he say, I'm going for the block here, Coach? Uh, they, they had seen some things. You yeah. know, we really – we tried one earlier with Corey Littleton where he just missed he an opportunity earlier, and then it was just a situation right there where Mike Thomas kind of bluffing like he's sitting on that wing, and then he ends up just adding in, and really he did a great job coming free. Uh, see the athleticism where he lays out, and then Blake's able to finish that play. So uh, Bones just does a great job of, you know, you, like you talk about it, you know, just putting in game plans, putting our players in good spots, and I think that's been a staple of what he's done this year consistently with our guys. Let's dig in a bit more to uh, defense and special teams in this segment of the Coach McVeigh Show. Uh, the most pressing issue seems to be replacing Kayvon Webster, who had an interception but also unfortunately blew his Achilles. For, and so for better than three quarters, you have to go about replacing him I thought Nikel Roby Coleman had one of his best days as a Ram. Maybe we start there. Yeah, he did. And, you know, Nikel's played a lot of ball for us this year. You know, he's played really our nickel in a lot of our sub packages. When you just look at the league, you're in that so much. And then even when we stay in some of our base personnel groupings, we'll play that with three corners and a safety. So Nikel's been a big part of our defense this year. He's made a lot of impact plays. And certainly yesterday, you look at, uh, you know, he's all over the place. He's such a great tackler for such a, you know, he's a smaller player, but he plays big. And uh, he's got a great demeanor. Uh, great understanding of you know being able to play a variety of spots on our defense and uh, like you said he showed up in a lot of ways and and then you know offering an opportunity Troy Hill was was uh, you know did a good job he came in was at the point of attack on a handful of different things and then I thought Kevin Peterson also made the most of his chances I I thought uh Roby's one of his best plays was tackling LeGarrette Blunt in the open field big time I mean that's what six weight classes above him Either way, he plays yeah. big, and he, and he was able to accelerate through on contact. He makes an uh, open field tackle on a Jai on a check down. Uh, you look at the screen that he was able to sniff out when they kind of try to throw a quick receiver screen. So Nikel has been a very, you know, he's been a bright spot, uh, you know, for our team, and, and he's made a lot of plays, and it's been a great offseason addition for us by Les and his staff. Uh, looking ahead for this week, I know 
Les and his staff evaluate every week. Are there mm-hmm. opportunities out there to bolster our roster? But when you take an injury like that, are you almost thinking, might we have a new body in our facility as we get back to practice this week? I think there's a chance. I think we've also got some depth on our in our secondary that, uh, you know, you look at it, you want to make sure that you've got nine bodies up on game day, whether that be a combination of four corners and five safeties or uh, five corners and four safeties, you know, not really sure. Uh, but when you do have a player like a LaMarcus Joyner that really kind of counts as both, uh, gives you some flexibility. So mm-hmm. we've got some guys on the practice squad that could look to be candidates to move up, and uh, that's something that we'll discuss as we get a little bit more information about, uh, you know, what's out there and then also just kind of evaluating how we want to game plan and approach the Seattle game from a defensive standpoint. Every time LaMarcus makes contact, he's looking for a flag. I'm glad they didn't flag him. Um, I love the in-your-face Tremaine Johnson. I hate the fact that he got flagged. Yeah. I think he's a great competitor, and, and I thought he did a good job in that specific play. The one thing is is we've just always got to be smart in terms of uh, having that situational awareness of what the ref's telling us, uh, being respectful of what they're communicating in terms of just some of the interaction that takes place. It is a fun game. I know he and Alshon know each other personally, and, and they're just having fun competing, but we've also got to leave no doubt in some of the officials' minds where uh, they're directly, you know, they're, they're directed to make sure that you control the game, and, and guys and some of the taunting things were a big point of emphasis in this offseason and and unfortunately it provides a learning opportunity for our entire team and I trust our guys will use it the right way as we move forward and explain the leverage call against Aaron Donald yeah it's really just using the you know it it you know, it didn't really – he didn't really prop up too much, but it was more along the lines of using the offensive player to help prop yourself up and leap uh, to try to go block that. But, you know, he kind of put his hands on as he was going over the top, and, and that was the call there. Uh, end game situation, you're stopped on offense, but you have enough timeouts in game situations with the two-minute warning that you trust your defense to get you the football back. Do you respect and admire uh, the guts to throw by the Eagles on third down and eight and the execution with which they effectively clinched that game on offense? Yeah, I do. I think when you look at both teams coming into this game, if you had to say one of the identities is they were you know aggressive teams that – uh, that play that way really in all three phases. And I think that kind of personifies both the Eagles and the Rams. And in that instance right there, I think it demonstrates a lot of confidence on Coach Peterson's part in their offense to be able to execute right there. And then also, if not, then he probably had some confidence in his defense mm-hmm. uh, to be able to stand up if they needed to do that. But we were certainly open for an opportunity. Credit the Eagles. And, you know, I think when you look at it, it was great coverage by Nikhil Roby. But Foles puts it in a perfect spot. Aguilar makes a great catch. And, and sometimes you just have to say that's great execution right there. And uh, you saw that, you know, in our favor on a handful of plays, defense, offense, special teams. But in that instance, you know, credit Philly for making a play in crunch time right there and ended up being crucial. And you got it back with one second. I just wonder, as a coach, when do you ever go with a return versus putting your offense on the field for the last play? Yeah, really, it, it's 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 a good question. Really, what we were debating right there is do you go with the, the fair catch free kick because of Greg's uh, distance that he has, and maybe if you catch it where uh, it might be a 65, 70-yard field goal because, you know, you get a free kick right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you give yourself a chance to do that. Where they were able to get that to and where we fielded it, we felt like the best opportunity was going to be to try to get one of those Cal-Stanford plays uh, where you just get a bunch of laterals going, maybe get a convoy and, and, and try to get something going. As you look ahead to this week of practice, last week, due to the wildfires in the area, it dictated some circumstances where you were already maybe thinking maybe we'd go kind of above the neck on Wednesday and keep our guys off the feet. 
the defense played like two games worth yesterday, sure. 85 snaps. Do you think you'll kind of go back to that this week in that regard? I think so. You know, I think that's probably the direction that we'll lean towards uh, because uh, it's going to be most important for us to be recovered and as fresh as possible for what we know is going to be another physical game against a great division opponent. So uh, as long as our guys continue to understand the importance of the focus and concentration needed on that day, and then we need to make sure we get good physical reps on Thursday and then the limited snaps that we take on Friday, get some good work for the timing and rhythm, that is probably more likely the approach that we'll take, especially after talking with Reggie and Ted. And once we make that decision, which we will tomorrow, uh, but as far as which direction we're leaning, it'll probably be a little bit more like that. There's actually a question about Reggie coming up in Audibles, our weekly nice. segment where the uh, fans put the question to Sean McVay with DeMarco Farm, J.B. Long. We'll continue with our Week 15 edition previewing the contest in Seattle that could go a long way to determining the eventual NFC West champion when we continue on ESPN LA. All right, let's dive right into Audibles on this next segment of the Coach McVay Show. We're previewing a trip to Seattle. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Audibles is our segment where you get to ask Coach questions directly via social media. We start with Stephen, who asked Coach, uh, what was the biggest takeaway from the first game against Seattle that would impact your approach to this second game? Well, I think it was a it was a great physical game. I think when you look at it, the key was uh, we turned the football over five times in that game, and uh, you know certainly they forced those turnovers. But uh, other than points, you hear say it over and over again. There's no greater indicator of wins and losses in this league than turnovers. And I believe we had two takeaways. It was five to two, and you know any time that you're minus three in the turnover margin, that's going to be a key thing. But we know we're in for a physical battle. Uh, this is a great football team that's uh, been you know they're 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 the reigning NFC West champs. So we got an opportunity to go there and try to see if we can take a, a two-game lead with two to go. And if we if we're able to go take care of business there, then we'll put ourselves in a good position then to worry about what's next. But our whole focus and concentration is on getting ready from that, for that game, and, and uh, it's going to be a great challenge. And the first game serves as a great opportunity for us to learn from. Looks like it's going to be a lovely Sunday afternoon in the Pacific Northwest. Lovely December. Seattle yes, exactly. day. Yes, uh, Cold and rainy. Robin. Is, it, is that what it says? That's yeah. what it says, yeah. Cold and rainy? Yeah. Nice. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Uh, Robin asks, what's the communication like from Matt LaFleur from the press box? Does he communicate with you about tendencies on defense, what's working, what's not with the offense? Yeah, uh, you know, we, we've got constant dialogue throughout the course of the game, what we're seeing defensively, uh, just some of the different things. So, you know, that's not exclusive to Matt, but really with our entire coaching staff. That's what's nice about those headsets that you see us wearing. And I think uh, a lot of times tendencies are to think that it's just that, that you're the only one you know calling plays and different things like that but we've got a constant dialogue we've got a great offensive coaching staff uh, Matt's a very important part of it but really all of our coaches are on there during the game and, and we've got a constant dialogue that's going on as far as uh, the rhythm and the flow and, and what we feel like is going to be best to move the football. Blue Blood Rams uh, effectively wants to know would you consider getting tougher with officials? They would like to see you defend your team a little bit more vehemently, perhaps. Yeah. What's your philosophy with addressing officials in-game? Well, uh, I, you know, maybe we want to get a couple calls in our favor. Maybe maybe you're right. I should be a little bit more difficult and, and tougher on those guys. And then, the, then on the flip side, you could uh, piss them off, and then they wouldn't give us any calls. So I think <laughs> it could go both ways. But, uh, you know, I definitely – I'm always going to support and defend our team. There's no doubt about that. But uh, we're always going to do things that we feel like are going to be best for those guys. And – Sometimes I think it is maybe me being a little bit more, uh, you know, difficultly, vehemently defending our team. Is that the word? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think those are – I think you can always try to do that. Maybe we'll see if we get a couple more calls in our favor. 
Uh, Doug asked, I loved how one of the tra- trainers, he thought it could have been Reggie, not sure, saw Josh Reynolds take a pretty good blow, and as he turned back to go in the game, he grabbed him and made sure he was okay. Uh, can we get an update on Josh, and do you like your training staff taking care of your players in that way? Pretty pretty uh, perceptive right there. That it was a great job by Reggie, but that just continues to demonstrate uh, why Reggie is as good as there is. Uh, he's he's a great leader of the really the athletic training staff. We've got a great training staff where a bunch of important people in that room. But I think for Reggie to be as in tune as he was with our players uh, represents what a special guy he is in that role. Uh, he was able to just grab Josh, check, make sure he was okay. He was, fortunately. But in the meantime, you know, that's where you talk about the importance of the player safety and things like that. And when you've got a great trainer like Reggie, uh, he's able to maintain, uh, you know, the focus to be able to recognize that that and then be able to adjust uh, in the meantime. Uh, and you do get Robert Woods back this week, we'll point out as well, which I imagine is another huge lift to your receiving core. It is. You know, anytime that you get Robert back, uh, it provides a huge spark to our offense and especially our receiving core. He's been instrumental, and, and, and he's had a lot of success for us when he's been available. Uh, so he'll, his, it'll be great to get Robert back out on the field. Uh, but then also we'll continue to get some of those other guys going, and, and uh, that's what you appreciate about the depth that we do have at that position. Next question on Audible's, our weekly segment with questions directly for the head coach from our audience, Jonathan Tran. Uh, with what happened in Jacksonville this weekend, will your staff be watching carefully about anything that might flare up post-play in Seattle this week? I think it's always something that you educate your team on, just really uh, a feel and an understanding for the, around the league what's going on. We're familiar with this opponent. Uh, we know that they're a very competitive football team, and we've got to do a great job regardless of what goes on uh, to maintain our, our emotions and, and keep our composure when uh, when sometimes things like that do occur, and, and that's going to be a big point of emphasis, not exclusive to just getting ready for Seattle, but every single week as we move forward. I, I don't condone the melees, but it is December football, and it's crowded in the NFC, so yep. you understand sometimes. Uh, going into Seattle, um, there's a healthy respect for crowd noise less fear of that crowd noise. I think Is that fair? So, yeah, I think uh, you know this year has provided us an opportunity to play in some some tough atmospheres and environments when you look at going on the road in Dallas, obviously playing at Minnesota and Arizona. So those all have really provided us with a great opportunity to learn uh, from some of those noisy atmospheres and then how we want to make sure that we put a good plan in place to be able to handle the elements and not let it detract from our ability to try to move the football and score points, specifically offensively. All right, let's finish uh, with audibles. A couple of lighter, lighter notes here, beg your pardon. Uh, Ram Squatch asks, uh, Coach, where do you like to eat? What's your favorite dish and maybe a favorite candy as well? Favorite candy? Candy. You know, I'm not a big candy guy. I'm more of an ice cream and cake guy. I like any type of ice cream, you know, uh, you know, chocolate chip cookies. That's that's kind of more of my flow. And then as far as for favorite restaurant, I would say that the one of my favorite places I've been is the Mastro's, uh, either one in Malibu or or locally in the, in the Thousand Oaks area. So uh, but that's a, I'm, I'm a big steak guy and, and love those. But but I could I mean, there's a handful of good places I've been here. They make great salmon, but you don't go to Mastro's for salmon. You well, go there you for a ribeye. It, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try it. Although the seafood tower is The seafood awesome. tower, the appetizer yeah. tower is nice. Uh, and lastly, Terry asks, uh, did you have any time to watch the Fox NFL Sunday pregame show at all? And if so, did you have uh, any desire to see Terry Bradshaw go Lee Corso and put a mascot head on at the end? I did not see it, uh, so I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't see any of the pregame show. 
But uh, you can imagine what Terry Bradshaw would look like with Rampage's head on. I though. can imagine, and just getting a chance to go spend some time with those guys earlier this this year on our buy. Uh, great personalities. They have a lot of fun, and, and I think they're probably that's why they're so enjoyable to watch because they genuinely enjoy each other and and they have fun doing what they're doing, and they're experts at it. But uh, I'm sure those guys had a good time at the pregame show. Beautiful setup out there at the Peristyle End, wasn't it? Oh, Looks it was cool on TV. Yeah, yeah, really good. Talking to Howie, talking to Strahan. I saw Bradshaw for a half second. I'm not sure if he knew where he was. Just saying. Good to see some of your uh, <laughs> former greatest show on turf team. Yeah, I got to see Marshall. I mean, just seeing those guys, and it was funny. Talking to Marshall, talking to Eric, and then Steven Jackson popped in there, and then about five minutes later, Todd Gurley starts to go off. And I'm like, what is going on in this room right now? <laughs> All these great Ram running backs. That's and this awesome. guy's putting on a show. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thanks to everyone in our audience for their submissions on this week's edition of Audibles and to Coach McVay for uh, being willing to take everyone's questions. We'll take our final break here and dig into Seattle. It's week 15 on the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA. All right, the Seattle Seahawks coming off one of the NFL's longest road trips and a loss in Jacksonville, home to host the Rams here in Week 15. Welcome back to the Coach McVay Show. JB Long, DeMarco Farr, and the head coach of the Rams, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, Seahawks still trail the Rams by one game in the NFC West, but uh, it's clear to see how these final three weeks will dictate how the NFC West shapes up in the end. Yeah, absolutely. This is a big game for us, and uh, you know, going against a great opponent, we love these types of challenges, and I think it provides a great opportunity for us to respond the right way. Uh, and you can't really think too much about that Eagles game. You know, that's what you love about the NFL is you got to have a short memory. Whether we got the result we wanted to or not, uh, we've still got to find a way to, to regather, regroup ourselves, and, and get ready to go against a great team in Seattle. I love the league. Uh, your reward for, you know, getting after one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the National Football League is you get the other one in Russell Wilson up in Seattle. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, he's he's done a great job this year, and, you know, you look at what he's able to do, what he's able to create on schedule, off schedule. Um, you know, he's he's one of the guys that's the talk for a possible MVP, and uh, he certainly has put that team on his back and, and done a great job of uh, competing week in and week out, and that's kind of been one of the things that's made him such a special player in this league for the last handful of years. Can you give us a sense of your experience in Seattle, uh, prior conceptions, what your impressions have been going up to the Pacific Northwest to play football? Yeah, really, you know, my experience has been exclusive to just an opportunity a few years back when I was in Washington. We went and played there, but that was before Russell was even there. You know, Coach Carroll was there, Tavares Jackson was playing quarterback at the time. We were able to come away with a, with a tough win, but uh, you know, hearing everything, watching the atmosphere just from afar, and, uh, you know, you look at it, it's one of the premier places to, to go play from an atmosphere standpoint. they got great fans. They understand the game, when to cheer, and different things like that, and that's a huge advantage. You know, they talk about the 12th man, and, uh, you know, they use that to their advantage when they're at home, and, and that provides a great opportunity for us to try to gather ourselves together, go up there, and, and uh, play to, play connected as a team and, and see if we can come away with a win in a tough atmosphere. I always said the 12th man is only as good as – your best 11th guy. Todd Gurley can have a big impact on shutting them up up there. Yeah, you know, and that's if you're able to play well and and get off to a good start, you know, that certainly always helps, but uh, they do a good job of sustaining throughout the game, and and we've got to be ready to go, and and that's going to be a great challenge specifically for our offense to be able to handle those elements uh, playing at Seattle. Look a lot different on defense since we saw them in the first quarter of the season. They've already sustained season-ending injuries to Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, as we know. Some others, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, dinged up in their linebacking core. 
but I assume you have a pretty healthy respect for the guys who have stepped in to fill those voids. Absolutely. You know, they've got plenty of guys that can step in and play that, that have played a lot of football in this league and played it at a high level. And, uh, you know, you look at the linebacker spot, dependent upon the availability of those guys, those are two of the best in the league. But if they're not available, like you mentioned, you know, they've got a handful of guys that can all run, hit, they understand uh, what the defense is structure and, and what they're trying to do within the framework of the structure of that defense. And I think that's one of the staples that has allowed them to play at such a high level for so long as they're so coordinated they make you earn everything and uh they're very sound in the way that they operate how cool is this man i mean you've the biggest game of your life's coming up right now oh yeah how how special is this right now outstanding you know every single week i think even last week to be able to be a part of a game like that is is a great challenge it's a great opportunity i think it's a credit to our players to be able to put our team in positions to be able to play meaningful football into december and what more could you want with an opportunity to go play against a great division rival uh with a chance to try to maintain and uh hopefully you know expand your division lead uh and what we know is going to be a a great opportunity a great atmosphere and, and let's go how do you, over the course of a week, go about crafting your message uh, to prepare a team for a game, whether it's in Saturday night meetings or Sunday locker room pregame? How do you formulate those thoughts and organize them? Yeah, well, I think you always want to go, want to be consistent in terms of your core beliefs and the philosophy and kind of what guides us on a day-to-day basis. But really, I, I would say it's more kind of just reactionary to what presents itself during, during the course of the week. Uh, everything is geared towards, uh, you know, putting a game plan together for that given opponent and whatever the circumstances are, uh, what's happened. And, you know, really a great opportunity for us is, is how do we respond from some adversity that we faced yesterday. So I think really it's, it's kind of circumstantial where you always go back to the, the core beliefs in the way that we want to operate in terms of what helps guide us on a day-to-day basis regardless of what the circumstances are. Uh, but I think every single thing that, 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 you know, every single circumstance that comes up, every opponent that you're playing provides a little bit different approach and really maybe what takes place at practice. And I think a lot of sometimes the best things that can come off are what are just instinctual and reactionary where it doesn't always feel so scripted, but you don't feel like you're just shooting off the hip. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of always going back to that same messaging, but finding creative ways to deliver it in a manner that doesn't get monotonous to the players. And, and that's what we try to do. I mean, look, I mean, I mean, it's like you said, mid-December. You're going up there. I mean, how much do you really need to hear as a player? There you go. It's on, man. You said it. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, the game, the atmosphere, uh, you know, what's at stake and what the possible rewards are if we're able to uh, go get that thing done. And then, then the next game becomes that much more meaningful. So, you, like you said, the, 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 uh, the game is what motivates mm-hmm. these guys, and, and they all play for, for the right types of reasons. And it's about our team, and it's about playing for your brothers, and, and uh, we can't wait to go do it together. Not to get too far ahead, JB, Please one of do. the – Special moments of my life was putting on that NFC West champion hat in Carolina. I mean, celebrating with your guys in their stadium. Special. Biggest moment. I mean, great. The rings are great, but that was the coolest moment. I mean, it's the best you can do in the regular season, Absolutely. Right? There you go. Is putting that hat on in yeah. terms of uh, what you come away with. If weather is a factor on Sunday, just anticipating what we've looked ahead to, uh, there's a great story about Jared Goff and the pre-draft process going through his workout in Berkeley. Yeah. And, and the forecast for the next morning said torrential downpour. They asked Jared if he wanted to postpone, do it another time, and he said, no, bring it, let's do it. Uh, Do you get the sense that in any outdoor conditions Jared can execute what you're asking him to do offensively? Yeah, I think so. You know, he handles a wet ball really well, and – 
you always still want to be mindful of, you know, how that, you know, affects some of the types mm-hmm. of plays that you would want to run and, and maybe some of your play selection. But uh, certainly Jared is a guy that hasn't had trouble, whether it be the wind, uh, which we, you know, experienced a little bit last week, a wet ball. Uh, he can handle and, and operate with the elements, and, and that's what you want your quarterback to be able to do. We thought he was going to have that moment for the first time, a game-winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter on Sunday. Yeah. You get the sense that it's coming soon for this young man, don't you? Yeah, it is. And, and ideally, you don't have to, you know, win it in the fourth quarter. You'd Win like to be away. able to operate with a, with a nice lead. But, uh, you know, at some point it's going to come up. And I think when you just look at the trajectory that his career seems like it's going – uh, with all the things that have taken place this year, uh, that that's, uh, that situation is inevitable. However it transpires on Sunday, weather, time, score, we wish you the best. Thank you for spending an hour with us here on a Monday yeah. night. Sean Thanks, McKay guys. with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. That's it for our Week 15 edition. We will have Rams All Access for you, a special Wednesday edition on ESPN Los Angeles. Have a great week, and we will talk to you then.